Well, I, uh, I see some new faces this morning. Uh, we are just so thankful that you are here. Uh, if this is your first time uh, with us this morning, we have a, a visitor's card that should be right in the seat in front of you. You, you could take, take that out and fill that out and just uh, leave it in your chair and someone will come by and pick it up. And if you have not already, if you can stop by our visitor's table on the way out, we'd love to uh, just give you some information about who we are as a church and just give you a gift. But again... Uh, thank you for being here. Anybody excited to be here this morning? Yeah. Amen. We've got a few minutes left together. Uh, we're going we're gonna to dive into God's Word, if that's okay. Uh, we're going to continue our series that we've been walking out uh, these last couple of weeks, Created for Significance. I-, I want you to know that God has created you for something bigger than yourself. God has created you for significance. God desires to have a relationship with you to work in and through your life and for your life to be on display to be about building His kingdom. And this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn there real quickly. We're going to be starting in verse 11. Uh, We kind of touched on this story uh, just a little bit last week. I just kind of want to give you some backdrop uh, just in case you forgot or maybe you were not with us last week. Uh, Luke chapter 15, kind of the surrounding is is Jesus is is literally uh, having a meal, it says in the first part of 15. He's having a meal with sinners and tax collectors. Can I get an amen? Amen. He's having a meal with sinners and tax collectors, people who need Him, people who need to have a relationship with God the Father. And all of a sudden, this group of people called the Pharisees comes on the scene. Now, the Pharisees were somewhat of the religious leaders of the time. They, they They would set standards in which they would not even live out. And so they come onto the scene, they start criticizing Jesus because he was known as a rabbi and he was kind of um, doing something that he was not supposed to do, so to speak. And as we've been talking these last couple of weeks, that my prayer is, is that this place, that your home would always be open to anyone in need would always be open because Jesus threw a party and He invites everyone to the party. Luke chapter 15. We're going to pick this story up. This is the third story of three that Jesus tells the Pharisees in response to Him. So we're going to We're going to pick this story up. It's one of my favorite stories in in all of Scripture. So I'm excited this morning. Verse 11, Luke chapter 15. He says, Jesus continued. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Uh, let me just share kind of what's going on here a little bit. I know I, sometimes we just kind of read it. We're like, all right, sounds good. Okay, whatever. But really what's going on here is, is this man has two sons, and the younger son comes to the father, and here's what he says. He goes, you know what? I want my inheritance now. 
Now, we know that inheritance is something that is normally acquired maybe after someone passes away and it's, and it's handed down. And so this young man comes to his father and says, you know what? I want my inheritance now. <laughs> now, if this was my kid, I know what you're, you're thinking the same thing. You are. Boy, you better, Yes. And it's interesting here because the father, the father did it. He divided all that he had and he gave it to his two sons. Now, now most of this story is about the younger son. At the very end, I want you to remember, everything was divided. We don't know if it was 40-60 or 50-50. We don't know. We just know now the father has, has given away all of himself to his two sons. He's given it away. Now it's theirs. Remember that. You know, at first glance, you think, man, what a really cool dad. (laughs) Or maybe he's just a pushover dad. Maybe both of those are true. But we'd miss the point of what really happens in this scene because what Jesus was actually describing here would have been scandalous to every person hearing it. Let's be honest, even in our culture, we would be very much thrown off if our sons, hey, hey, let's just give me what, give me, give me what I deserve, what I'm going to get maybe in 20, 30 years. Just give it to me now. Because in essence, what this son is, is saying and what this son is asking, you know what, Dad, I wish you were dead. I, I have no need for you at all. I don't want a relationship with you. I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine and we'll just kind of carry on with life. There's a man by the name of Ken Bailey who's lived in the Middle East most of his life. He's an author and he he wrote a book. And and this passage was something that's always kind of weighed on him. And and he had literally gone to to places all over the Middle East and North Africa. Many of these places in this same culture. and And he wanted their thought process on what would happen today if a young man came and asked his dad this question, they say, would it happen? They're like, you know what? It would never happen. And he asked the question, why? Why would it not happen? And what would be the response of the father? And almost every single person responded this way. The father would beat that young man. That, 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 that was their response. They're like, no one would, would do that to their father because of the implications of what it means. That would be so disgraceful to the father. And it wouldn't just be the father who would be hurt. It would be the whole family. It would be the whole neighborhood. Elk City's a smaller town. Don't you love when people get up in your business? Anybody? Everybody knows what's going on. You're like, how did you know that? Well, it's been on Facebook for 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Everybody knows. This culture is very tight-knit, very family-oriented. So any decision, anything that takes place, everyone knows. The news is out. So everybody knows that this young man has gone to his father and defamed his father in this way, asking for his inheritance. And by the surprise of his two boys, his father grants their request. The story keeps going. Verse 13. 
It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. Now, on on first look at this, and as I've been studying and, and really examining this passage and really just praying for wisdom over this, you know, you, you would think, just first off, I've always thought, this young man is just a party animal. I mean, he, he, just, he just wants his stuff and he wants to go and he wants to go and, and live his life however he can. And he leaves town because his dad's too conservative and there's, there's not enough space in that town for him, to, for him to do what he wants to. But if you really look at this passage here and during the time of this culture, if he was able to get his inheritance, that would mean land, that would mean cattle, that would mean all of these things. It, it wasn't kind of like, you know, here's a check, son, go deposit it and go have fun. He would have to take time and go and liquidate these things to people who already saw him in bad light. And so he would have to go and sell that property and cash it in. He would have to go and sell his pigs and his cows to people who were already looking down on him. And then I can imagine what this son was feeling. Anybody feeling that animosity right now? Anybody been there before? You know you've made a bad choice. You're like, everybody knows as well. I better get out of town. The best thing for me to do is just to leave. That's exactly what this young man does. It says he, he leaves town for a distant country. Let's keep reading in verse 13. And it says, And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. I wonder how many of us have squandered our hopes, our dreams, our opportunities, our relationships in wild living. Hmm. He wasted it all. He wasted it all. And the people of the faraway country know this. You see, they too are unimpressed with the frivolous young man who was now out of money. Let's pick up the story in verse 14. It says, After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now, if you've ever been around the Middle Eastern culture, they are, all right, no matter what you see on the news, are some of the most friendly, hospitable people you've ever been around. I've spent much time there, and I'm sometimes jealous of of how family-oriented and how time doesn't mean anything. They will take time to to spend with you and invest in you. And and in this story here, it's interesting because um, they're not like to the point. They'll kind of like beat around the bush a little bit. So they would never say, you know what, young man, you're out of money. Let's just get out of town. We don't want you here anymore. They they would never say that. But what they will do is they will try to get you in a position that you want to leave town. You see the difference there? And so what they do is is they offer him a job that they know he's not going to take. And you say, why? Because he's a Jewish young boy, and we know, all right, and if you don't know, pigs are kind of the unclean animal, all right? I mean, not at my house. I mean, it's a clean animal that I just, anyway. Anyway, but during this culture here, it's an unclean animal they can't be around. 
So this man offers him a job that he thinks he'll say no to. But he is so empty, he is so in need, he is so destitute that he chooses to do something that he knows he should not do. And it is an amazing what we will do, say, in compromise when we are empty and desperate. Think about that. Think, think about that time that you know that you're still like, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe she did that. I can't believe I, I said those words. Like, like what was I? We, we all have those moments in our lives, and it's almost always stirred up by a time of, of emptiness and desperation that we lash out or we do something that we will soon regret. Anybody with me? Verse 16. It says, He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. And then something happens. I want you to see this. Verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses. Now, now the word come to senses, that phrase means to begin to think in a sensible or correct way after being foolish or wrong. This is a huge moment of, of realization for this young man. This is a huge moment in our lives as well because there is something wrong and we need help. There is something innately wrong because of sin. And hopefully all of us here this morning have come to our senses at some point in our lives. We like to call it in church kind of our our come to Jesus meeting. You know what I'm talking about? That moment you see maybe for the first time that you are so desperate and you are so needy that Jesus is the only one who will fill that void. And that's, start, that's what's happening here in this situation. For the first time, this young man is saying, you know what? Maybe my hopes and my dreams and my aspirations of doing all these fun things has left me in this empty, desperate situation. He comes to his senses. Verse 17. Let's keep going. He says, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. First part of verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. So he comes up with a plan. He's desperate. He comes to his senses like, what what am I doing? I don't know where else to go. I don't know where else to go. But I know I do have a father. And I know that I've felt his love before. And I've sinned against him. And I've done all of these things. And and you can imagine the the anxiety this young man is feeling. He's like, I'm I'm just, I'm so desperate. I'm going to try. Like, I'm just going to go home. And I'm just going to say, Dad, I've sinned against you. Just make me a servant. Like, I don't, I don't want anything. I just, I just need food. I, I just want to be alive. And so he comes up with this plan. 
the Father, being the man that He is, He knows two things. First, He knows that His Son, given the maturity level and the character with which He left home, is bound to fail. Anybody ever looked at somebody's life and be like, you know what, you keep going on that path, I know where it's leading. Like, like I, I wish that I could stop you, but you're not, you're not in, a, in, in a part of your life that you want to listen to truth or, or listen to the Word of God or just listen to just wisdom in a situation. And some of us have been there. We're like, you know what, I don't care. Like, I've got it all here. I've got my wealth, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to do. And every single time, we end up just like this man. We might still have our money, but we are so empty, empty, empty inside that we ask the question, there has to be something more. You see, the father knows that it's most likely he was going to be coming back more as a beggar, probably not a prosperous businessman. <laughs> the second thing the father knows is that the village will not treat him well. Remember that close-knit community? Ah, oh, here he comes! Anybody felt that shame before? Maybe you've wronged someone time and time again and they they start having that animosity and it's almost like you've broken that trust and that relationship. You know that feeling, I've I've been there before, that shame, that guilt that he is just weighing on him, but he is so desperate that he's willing to take a chance. Where else is he going to go? And what the father does next to counteract all this is nothing short of an amazing act of unconditional love. Verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. I'm sure that he heard the noise. Oh, he's back. You know what I mean? And his dad's. I don't know exactly the situation here particularly. All the names that were being called. That's who we are. We're people. We do that sometimes. And the first thing we see here is the father runs. I think this is so cool because he runs the gauntlet for his son. He takes on that shame. He takes on that scrutiny. He takes on that guilt for his son. Because his love for the son has never changed. Although his son has made some mistakes and has done all of these things, the father's love never changed. Although the son thought it did. You say, why did did the father act in this way? I love what verse 20 says. It says, he was filled with compassion. Compassion is a huge word. Compassion brings in words like grace, comfort, forgiveness. Something that we're all longing in our lives. <laughs> I started just thinking about this. I don't know why. Um, as the father's running towards the son, I mean, if I'm the son, I'm like, okay, what's that in his hand there? Is, is that a club? Is that a baseball bat? I mean, really, I mean, that's, that's the way he's feeling right now. Like, is he coming to beat me? Is he coming to, to get me out of, the, out, of, out of this place or get me off this land? And so, so, that, so that moment of like, you know what, I'm putting myself out there. And here comes the Father. 
I don't know how he's going to react, but I know I'm desperate and I'm willing to take the chance because I have nowhere else to go. So the father, he runs, he pursues him. And it says here, he threw his arm around him and kissed him. Now this word kissed here uh, in the Greek language in which this was written is the word kataphilio. You're like, okay, I have no clue what that means, all right? What that means is, is being kissed over and over and over again, all right? How many of you are grandparents? What do you do for your grandchildren? You know what I'm talking about, like, you know what I'm talking about? Glenn, come on up here. I'm totally kidding, all right? It's, 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 that, it's that action of, like, a continual, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, stop it, stop. That's what the father does. He grabs him, and he bear hugs him, and he just starts kissing him all over. I love this. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. What's interesting here is if you look back on verse 18 and 19 is, is verse 18 is almost exactly what 21 is. Like he gets that part out. Remember he had a plan going into this? Like, I've sinned against you, Father, and that's so important. Let me hear it. That is so important. Repentance is so important. We can't, we can't bypass that. We, we want to. We cannot bypass repentance. But then, then he kind of gets cut off a little bit. He, he, he never goes into, you know what, I want to be one of your servants. And I think the reason he said, you know what, he didn't keep going is because in that moment he felt the unconditional love of the Father. I think the son was stunned. I think the son felt something he had never felt before. I think he felt like, like forgiveness in that moment. I, th- I think he felt healing in that moment. I'm sure he was like, you know what? Can we hurry up and get to Taco Bell because I'm starving, Dad, okay? I'm totally kidding, all right? But he felt so much in that, in that situation. Here's how the father responds. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. You know who had the best robe of the family? The father. Yeah, yeah, take, take the best one, the good one. You mean, you mean the one you want to wear to party? Yeah, that one. Put it on him. <laughs> and he says, put a ring on his finger. And sandals on his feet. Here's the thing. During that time, the signet ring of the father was something that was very powerful. He would use that to, it was kind of like his signature. He would seriously, he would use that and he would like sign things. It would be his, his signet ring that he would do. And that, and that meant power. That meant, that meant strength. And the sandals, servants and slaves at that time didn't wear shoes. They were not allowed to have sandals or shoes. So, so this is imagery here of, you know what? Give him the best robe. Like, like give, him, give him my ring. Put some sandals on your feet. And in that moment, redemption has taken place. Not anything the son has done. Hear me out. The son did nothing. Except he came to his senses. He came to a point in his life where he knew that he could not do it on his own. 
He knew for the first time there was something in him that was wrong. But he had every hope that the Father could fix it. That the Father could provide what he needed. Anybody else enjoying this story? I don't know. Verse 23, finally, the Father says, Bring the fattened calf and kill it. I love that he didn't say, you know what, bring that little uh, measly little rabbit over here. Bring that chicken. Bring that goat. He says, you know what, bring that big old fattened calf. Now, I think the reason he brought the biggest fattened calf is because the party just wasn't between him and his son. It was for everybody. He wanted to invite everybody. He wanted to restore the relationship with all the townspeople because he knew what they thought of this young man. Like, yeah, I'm willing to run the gun. I'm willing to shame myself because of my unconditional love for this son. Yes. And I want our relationship to be healed, but I also want the relationship, these earthly relationships to be healed as well. I want to mend those as well. So let's kill the big one. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Verse 24, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They began to party. Man. You see, Jesus in this story is is communicating to every person who ever wanted to take a step toward the Father, toward home, and just how significant we are to Him and how God feels about you and how God feels about me He doesn't just wait for us. He runs to us. He doesn't let us bear the shame of living our lives as if we wished He were dead. He bears it for us. He kisses us. He puts His robe on us, His ring on our finger, His sandals on our feet, and He kills the fattened calf to celebrate us and invites everyone else to celebrate us with Him. And we are now His sons and daughters and says, you know what? Once you were lost, but now you're found. And just remember, this is nothing that you've done. This is what I've done for you. Hmm. There's a second son. Give me just a minute. We're almost done. Remember the second son. First of the story. He, he got the inheritance too. He's the pack rat. You know, he's the saver. He put all his money in the savings and safety deposit box. He never left home. And here's what Jesus was actually trying to get at. The older son is the one that Jesus was trying to talk to the Pharisees about because that's who they were. Yeah, this son, and you know, he did all of these bad things, and we view these people like that, but you're no different. It's just you never left home. You're just as far from the father as the younger son is, but I've redeemed him. Yeah, he's made some mistakes, but I paid the price for that, and I also paid the price for you. And I love the response. Actually, I don't love it, but this is the response of the young man. It says in verse 25, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. Man, they were, they were throwing a party. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he asked. Or he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Look at his, look at his response. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. I, I, I love this because the father did exactly the same thing he did for the younger son. He went out. He pursued. 
and he pleaded. He wants to offer forgiveness. He wants to mend that relationship. He wants to offer that love. Now remember, the older son owned all the land that the father was living on. He he gave it all to him. Verse 29, but he said, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Here's what he's saying. Man, dad, I've I've been going to church every week. Man, I've, I've, been, I've been giving back. I've been serving people. I've been checking all the right boxes. Like, you know, the, the pastor talks, like, I go and I do them. But in the end, the older son has no relationship with the father. He's doing nothing more than going through the motions, and it's right there in his backyard. And he never recognizes a need for the love, I'm sorry, I mean, a father's love for his life because he gets comfortable. Anybody been comfortable before? We just kind of go and we do. You see, sometimes God uses those desperate situations to wake us up, for us to come to our senses. Let me just clarify here. I believe God wants to save us from those destitute situations. Because I, 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 I struggle with my testimony. And I've never, I've never done drugs. I've never drank alcohol. I've never like really done anything bad. But here's the thing. I am just as needy and just as a sinful person as anybody else. And I was almost embarrassed in my life to share my testimony because I don't have this grand testimony. And God's like, listen, your testimony is just as good as anybody else's. I'm thankful now in my life that God saved me from walking down that path. I, I, am, I am thankful that I didn't have to carry the burden of these things in my life. I mean, here's the thing, because we're both on the same road, but completely different spectrums here. God loves the older son just as much as he likes the younger son. God's love doesn't change, but our response to God does change. The older brother became angry, refused to go in, so his father went out and he pleaded with him all these years. I've been trying to work my way to heaven. I've been trying to do all the right things to accept your love, that maybe one day you would love me. And the father's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Look at his his response here in verse 31. My son... I I think he would have done that too. Like, whoa, 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 stop, stop. Stop right now. My my son, (laughs) you were always with me. And everything I have is yours. Why have you not seen that? And that same proclamation that Jesus has for us, you know what? You might have been the younger son. And maybe that's where you are right now. Let me tell you something. The money will run out. The fun will stop. God's word even says sin is, it is fun for a season. Then you just feel awful and crummy. And you feel shameful. 
And here's what Satan does. You know what? You are worthless. Don't you dare go back to the Father. He didn't love you. (laughs) I pray that if you are in that situation right now, that God through the Holy Spirit will let you come to your senses. That the Spirit of God might just waken your soul and say, you know what? There's got to be more. I know that God loves me. And I want to turn and I want to, I want to go. You know what God's word says? If you seek me with all of your heart, not this, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just coming back for the money again. You've been there before. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just coming back to see what you can give me again. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me, period. Maybe we should put exclamation point. I'm going to ask Wesley to come back up as we uh, close our time together. His response to the older son, I already gave it to you. All these years, it's, it's been yours. We speak of salvation as a free gift. Um, no doubt about it, it's a free gift. But many times that gift is not open because we don't see a need to open it. And I pray that every single person in this room has had their Jesus moment. Where God has opened your heart, He's opened your mind for our need and our desperation for Him. And that each of us have have gone running back to the Father. And just like this story, the Father is in hot pursuit of you. I can promise you that. But just as the Father allowed us, these two young boys, to make the decisions for themselves, He allows us also. That's what makes it hard as a parent. Because one day your kids are going to make decisions for themselves. And many of us if we're honest, we're not making the right decisions. I mean, you can fool us. Uh, I mean, you can, you know where I'm going with this. You know you're feeling empty. You know there's something missing. I like to say the Bible, God, Jesus, He would have done it just for you. And there's a God-shaped hole in all of us that only He can fill. He is what you're looking for. He is what you're looking for. Let's close our eyes as we pray. We're almost done. See, the the point of this story is that the Father's love is for all of His children. And He loves us so much that He was willing to suffer and be humiliated in order to bring you home, in order to come into relationship, in order to redeem you, in order to forgive you, in order to offer you salvation, in order to offer you hope and peace and joy, those things that we long for. God created that in us, a need for Him. I don't know where many of you are this morning. Maybe you resonate with the younger child. 
Maybe you are out doing your thing. My prayer is, is that God would allow you to come to your senses. And that you would choose to come home. Maybe this morning you resonate more with the, uh, with the older son. Almost the exact opposite spectrum. You've been doing all the right things. You're a good person. You've been coming to church, but there has never been a point in your life where you have asked for forgiveness. There's never been a point in your life where you have surrendered your life to Jesus and had a need for Him and allowed His love to cover you. With all eyes closed, whether you resonate with the older or younger, maybe this morning for the first time you see that Jesus is your answer. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. You've never made that decision. There's never been a point in your life where you have done that, but you see for the very first time that Jesus is pursuing you and your desire is to surrender. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand just real quickly, up and down. If that's you, real quickly. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I um, come before you this morning. Thank you for all that we've heard, seen. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for all the mothers in our presence this morning, the joy and the blessing that they are to our lives. Thank you for child dedication for these parents standing before you and your church family, God. Um, Just making a commitment God, I pray that they would stand by that. I pray that they would stand firm. When the storms of life come, Father, I pray that you would be our firm foundation, God. Lord, I want to pray for someone maybe they did not raise their hand, God. I pray that you would stir in their hearts, God. I pray that you would use any means, capacity, anything possibly, Lord, to wake them up for them to see their need for you, Father, and the love that you have God, whether we have much or in want, God, we have a need for you. So, God, thank you for today. I pray as we leave this place, Father, that, uh, Lord, we'll be the church to those around us, that we will be your hands and your feet, God. Thank you for, uh, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. We love you and praise you. And all God's people said, Amen.